Hey, folks, I am here with the infamous Gavin McInnes. We haven't talked in like five years, four or five years. It's been a it while. Been that long, but yeah, I guess it is. Since yeah. I last saw you, you got married. You had a baby. I did. I did. I, ha- I re- pretty recently had a baby. Um, it's been a whole thing. You know how having kids is. And I recently rewatched that video of you fighting with your baby. And it, <laughs> it really holds up. <laughs> yeah. How old are your kids now? They're uh, nine. 13, 15. Oh, man. Bonafide teenagers. Yeah, it's weird because the the eldest boy, he's 13. And uh, he's doing really well in baseball. So he's kind of popular. And he's got this attitude now because of the testosterone. Where I'll be like, (laughs) brush your teeth. And he goes, brush your teeth, bitch. (laughs) What a little bastard. (laughs) Well, now you're grounded. And he's like, yeah, good. Ground me for 10 weeks. I don't give a shit. I got you for 12 weeks, Bender. <laughs> and then the middle one is a is a girl? That's the middle one. The oldest one is a girl. Oh, okay. It's like a okay. punk mall goth kind of thing. Oh, really? And then uh, who just shrugs your shoulders at everything. And then the youngest boy is still pure. He's eight. And we went on a motorcycle ride yesterday. We went, He went on the back of my motorcycle. And then I got him this little... Um, battery charged one so then we went on a motorcycle ride with him on his little tiny motorcycle and i'm in front of him watching him in the rear view that was a cute attack and i i thought i should film this but then i also thought let's stop filming everything yeah you know let's just take this in i can remember how cute it is to see a little kid on a little fake motorcycle um i'm gonna just digest this and not be trying to like Deal with the clutch and the throttle with my phone in my hand. <laughs> so you have a few years left before he turns into, into a little nightmare too. Yeah. Um, I mean, y- you gotta be kind of tough. Like when they, when they get to that age, 12, 13 with the boys, you have to say, you know, you want to jump frog? Let's jump. I'll <laughs> still kick your ass. <laughs> but then it gets like 16, 17, 18, where it would be a good fight. Yeah. You have to lose it. And, Conveniently, that's when it's time to go. Bye-bye. That, that's true. Yeah, that's how it goes. And what about the girl? How is it raising a teenage daughter? It's rough. I mean, Ugh. she because I'm a pariah, she was totally ostracized in this liberal, uh, super white Jewish community we're in. So she, when she moved here, she had a million friends. And then because of Proud Boys, her social life just fell off a cliff. Doesn't and, that make her cool, though? Yeah, she was sort of catapulted into cool. Like Barcelona was a small, cute little Spanish village until the Olympics in the early 90s. And then boom, they had to become a major European city overnight. Wait, where are you now? I'm in uh, New York. Oh, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. I'm using How- an analogy. Ah, I was, I was like, you live in Barcelona? I'm unaware of that. Um, what is New York looking like now? I used to live there, and I can't even imagine the post-apocalyptic situation <laughs> during coronavirus. Is nobody out still? Are people all wearing masks? What is it like? It's pretty open, but there's no police, so there's nothing but crime. It's like the 70s. If you had asked me two months ago, three months ago, I'd say it's as bad as the 80s. Now it's the 70s, especially Seriously? Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen and the area around uh, Penn Station, Madison Square Garden, that's just like Penn Station is five junkies a block. I counted yesterday. And they shoot up like they're in their living room. Like they go, there's no, there's blood, they're puking blood, there's barf, 
There's just guys just like shaking and twitching. I mean, you have to have a certain – in Manhattan today, you have to have a certain walk. Your walk has to say, male or female, don't fuck with me. I'm ready to throw down. Like you have to have kind of like a strut. Your chest has to be puffed out, and you have to look around like this. No headphones. <laughs> you have to be ready at all times and show them that you're not a victim. And then as, and then as far as like the Upper West Side, Hell's Kitchen, they've been giving uh, bums hotel rooms. And so the bums are everywhere. And people that I know there, I'm in the Knights of Columbus up there, and the old timers, they walk in the middle of the road because they don't want to get jumped from in between cars. Meanwhile, these are guys with guns. They have concealed carry because they're like court clerks and, and ex-cops and stuff. But even they, they walk in the middle of the road so they have a strategic point to shoot at. Oh, it's, my gosh. Yeah. That's terrible. I mean, how how do you fare there being a pariah? It's actually the least of my worries now. I mean, Antifa is one thing. Junkies and miscreants and gangsters and bloods and DDP, Dominicans don't play. I mean, it's 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 Africa. It's a third world country now. Sure, wow. if, if I go to like a hipster neighborhood, I have to have my head on a swivel, but I mean, that's the least of my worries now. It's New York is irrevocably damaged. It's there's no way it's coming back ever. Wow, that is quite the statement. I always figure that at some point, you know, somebody would be able to turn it around. But you think that it's just done. It's toast. No, yeah, because with the pandemic, people tried working from home and it worked out. So now there's no incentive to no. have a Wall Street or or any sort of headquarters. So they've all given up. And without commercial real estate, New York City has no value. Right. I mean, they say that it's like 40% occupancy with commercial real estate. That's not true. It's more like 20%. The only people that are staying there are big corporations like Citibank and Chase that know that they have a lease and they have money. And if they get sued for skipping out on the lease, then the, they'll lose in court. But anyone, like any sort of Chinese fashion textile company that you can't really sue or you don't know how to sue, they're yeah. all gone. If you're not wow. like top 20 corporations in America, then you're skipping out on your lease and no one is going to, no one's going to catch well, you. Well, why would anybody live in a city right now? I mean, what, what, what's keeping you there? What's the incentive? Well, I'm actually, I just moved up to the suburbs a few years ago. Right. So I commute 40 minutes a day. But uh, I don't know, like my daughter really likes going into the city because she's a, you know, alternative and a teenager, but yeah, we got to move, but it, you know, it's not easy moving. There's all these factors. My wife needs, she's kind of a liberal fashionista. So she needs like, you know, uh, IPA crafty places with brick oven pizzas and, and boutique designers. My daughter likes the punky stuff. My boys need baseball and I need old man bars with ex-cons and cops. There's all, all of those things are in Idaho. All of those things. Yeah, I need water and mountains too, though. We have water and mountains here. Yeah. Okay. I've heard a lot of good things about Idaho. I'm considering it. I've really been considering Eastern Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina kind of area, okay. which sounds like a large space, but it's really only like five hour radius. Miserable summers. I don't know. But I thought it was north enough that it wasn't too hot. 
I don't know where in Tennessee it's it kind of depends. Lots of humidity, but you deal with that in New York, so it's terrible. Wait, where, are you in Eastern or Western Tennessee? Oh, I mean, in like Nashville area, aren't, aren't those like the worst summers of any? Is that where you are? No, I'm in Northern Idaho. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm naive. I thought, I mean, I was naive to move to the suburbs. I didn't know that there was political areas where you can't live there if you're a conservative. When I was a kid, <laughs> yeah. I hadn't lived in the suburbs since the 80s. Yeah. And when I was a kid, um, you had no idea how your neighbors voted. That was none of your business. It would be a bizarre thing to ask. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like I moved to this this street and um, there was some you know old timers from Fox News who recognized me and they go, dude, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? And they go, you're behind enemy lines. Yeah, yeah. It's that politics of like mom culture. Yeah, it really is the mom. Well, I've, I've kind of been f slowly figuring it out over the years, and I realized in Britain you have a class system that's based on accent, right? Yes, yeah. And that's how you know where you stand. Americans don't have that, so they need to define their class. And the only way to do that is a bumper sticker that mm. says, my daughter goes to Yale. And that doesn't mean shit anymore, though. Well, don't fuck up my theory. Right <laughs> now... Uh, <laughs> Upper middle class Americans define themselves by their daughter's or their son's school. I mean, how long can that last? I don't know. I mean, they've been selling shit education since the mid 90s now, and kids are still going hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. The thing is, I don't think these people care about their kids because they send them away yeah. to camp for like literally the day after the last day of school to the day before the first day of school. Right. So you don't want your kid around, clearly. Mm. Um, and so they, they, you know, they put their kids in lacrosse and they try to get scholarships and all that stuff. And they talk about kids incessantly. All the housewives, <laughs> even the dads, are constantly talking about this kids and this athletic program and blah, blah, blah. And you think you talk about your kids at a bar more than you're with your kids because they're all at various activities and shit. And then I realized, oh, your kids are your status. Yeah. So you have to, you know, um, define yourself by them. And then that's why my kids became pariahs because it doesn't help your kids to be around, you know, the children of the leader of a hate group. So uh, they have to, you know, I don't know, make their own way. I, I, they might have trouble getting into college with this pariah status. That's okay. They can go to trade school. They can do something else. Yeah, Who yeah, needs to go to college these days? Do you want the status, Gavin? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> I, I passionately don't want the status. <laughs> Why send them to college at this point? Especially a girl. It's like the indoctrination I received. And my kids, uh-uh, not going to happen. Unless they have really particular aptitudes that you can only express through a college and a career. Like, I don't know, engineering or something like that. None of this. It's got to be STEM. It's got to be STEM or even like art school or something would be fun for a girl. But on the other hand, you think like if everyone is going, do you want to ostracize them? I, that's why I'm of two minds about it. Like I, you're not going to school. It's illogical. And then there they are at home alone working a job while everyone else is living a certain life. I don't know. It's stupid. It's like if everyone took sailing, see, I don't like sailing. I think it's dumb. We already have motors. We don't need sails. What are we, Polynesians in the year 700? But if everyone is going sailing, you feel like, I don't want to ostracize you to make a point. 
But there are already pariahs within their own social sphere. So who cares? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the challenge is, is where do you draw the line? Like, There are places where they will be generally accepted and even revered for being the sons and daughters of a man that um, is in charge of a hate group. Yeah, the South. <clears throat> so I don't know. It's, it's a tricky thing. I wouldn't want to put anyone in this boat. Basically, it's like a year of work, right, to figure yeah. out. So yeah. I should be in eastern Tennessee within the year. But I also have to figure out how to make sure the kids aren't more hurt. Like I remember when I first moved to the Burbs, I found out that um, a couple had moved because their son was getting bullied. And I thought, what kind of pussy rolls up their carpets, packs up all their stuff because someone was mean to their son? But then you also think, well, a childhood is only so many years. Uh, should he be suffering through this? It depends on the circumstances. I mean, I would, if my son was getting bullied, I'd say, you've got to fight them. We have to stand up. Yeah. We yeah. want to move. But as far as the whole family being ostracized, I mean, that's a different story. I don't know. Tricky. Although I, even in this super liberal enclave, I've managed to carve out my MAGA dads, my MAGA bars. I go fishing. Like there's, there's always that group. The, the, the thing about these, these shrill lefty Karen terrorists who antagonize everyone slightly right of center is they're a shrill minority and everyone actually deep down hates them. Mm, I hope so. But I do think that a lot of people hold them in high esteem. I don't know. I mean, Amy Siskin is kind of the queen of them. And does she really have any friends? Like, does anyone who, who like is this? Amy Siskin? She's like the Pied Piper of the, the Northeast disenfranchised housewives. <laughs> Yikes. What a terrible job. Do you think she feels good about herself? Yeah, good question. I don't know. I don't she's a horrible cunt who just hates men. <laughs> oh no. I'm starting to really pity these people, but do you think you're less affected by being the product of cancel culture because you've had so much practice? Or do you just not talk about it that much because it's so depressing? Because I hear you mention it a little bit uh, on your podcast, but like I never hear you talk about like, wow, this sucks ass like i wish i would ever would have done this job or any how do you feel about all this well if if i had if i had been going around talking about race and iq and how blacks don't belong here or how the holocaust never happened like i would go shit maybe i went too far those are very controversial things to say uh i don't believe those things by the way but you know what i mean um but i i haven't said anything that's egregious like the video, 10 yeah. things I hate about the Jews was a joke, just like how to fight a baby. So I haven't, I, my views are not that radical. So if I had been saying radical things and experienced this kind of, of, you know, ostracization, then I would go, fuck, what have I done? But when you haven't done anything wrong and it's just the climate behind you, well, then it's, it's not that bothersome. I mean, it's, it's silly. But it's not like you toss and turn and go, what have I done? Like you you mentioned regret. But there's all the stuff I'm being persecuted for, or the better word is targeted, um, is stuff I said way back when I was accepted. So yeah. what they're doing is you're I'm a pariah now because I'm influential and I'm cool and charming and I made Trump seem fun. And then also, you know, created the Proud Boys that also made Trump seem fun. And they go, This guy's effective. We have to ruin him. So let's go back in time and find some terrible joke 
that we can take out of context. You, there's no regrets there when that happens. If you're a drunken idiot, you know, you're a professor that's boning your students and you get ostracized for that. I could see that being filled with regret, but I would you do it all again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It has been a wild ride. 2016 especially was, it was really fun. <laughs> it used to be so fun. What happened? Yeah. I, we were winning. I think the peak winning was that Shia LaBeouf, he will not divide it. <laughs> that really was a moment in time. Wasn't it? Yeah. That's when things were still fun. Yeah. And then Trump deranged derangement syndrome became like a zombie apocalypse and today like it's hard to think of someone who isn't canceled yeah that's definitely true i mean there is freedom in being canceled and that's what i want to tell people like if they get canceled because everybody's going to get canceled for something they said in, in 2005 when it didn't matter and uh and I cannot imagine now adhering to all of this complicated newspeak. It would be so confusing. I never would be able to do it. I'm too lazy. It seems like a nightmare. But you remember what it was like when we didn't have to deal with this at all. Like I, I remember as a child that we just generally didn't. But you, you guys used to say whatever you want in the punk days. Um, will you talk a little bit about what that culture was like and how it helped you develop the ability to uh, not be overtaken by mainstream culture? Well, I think... <clears throat> Political correctness really got its its start in the early 90s, 94. And that's when I was in college. I was in college actually in 91. But around then, you saw this whole, like, critical race theory was around then. Yeah. And you saw this stuff happening. But it was esoteric. And there were blue-haired feminists, but they weren't mainstream. Today, they're Ilhan Omar. They're AOC. They are the mainstream. They're judges, too. They're deciding who gets a sentence. They are the media, and they're the FBI and the CIA. The top brass at, the, at all major law enforcement agencies goes to the media. The media are the blue hairs from the early yeah. 90s. You also got to remember, those blue-haired feminists, they went to law school. They graduated. They were lawyers. Now they're judges. That was 20 years ago, whatever, <laughs> well, 30 years ago now. <laughs> those nuts are judges. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I think through vice – I may be overestimating my influence now, but through Vice, we kept the beast at bay. He tried to the, the, it tried to attack in the late nineties, two thousand. We moved to New York. We really fought and fought and fought and kept it back. And you know, in two thousand two, they called it hipster racism, but it was really just blacks and whites and gays and Jews making offensive jokes and being able to relax and be assholes and be funny. And it was like skater punk rock culture. Yeah, it was really fun. I think the big turning point was 2005 when Larry Summers was kicked out of uh, Harvard as the president for saying maybe women aren't in STEM because it's not their thing. I don't know. <laughs> but he, he said it as a question. Yeah, and he was fired. And that's I, I was no longer advice around then or I was losing my my influence advice. And I was we were negotiating a separation. So I, I had no influence in sort of youth culture. And youth culture is sort of the hub of any right. movement, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, we started with Obama. We started getting into racial identity politics. He brought back Jim Crow and slavery and white guilt and all the horrible things we've done and killed comedy. And he pushed this whole idea that America should apologize. Americans don't like that. This is the big there's a great book called uh, The Great Revolt, and they, they interviewed basically every American in the country, every Trump supporter. And 
they assumed it would be, be all about race. Race didn't come up. There was two things. Don't take my guns. And I don't like that Obama was going around the world apologizing for America. <laughs> yeah, really? That's what they care about. Mm -hmm. So um, Trump came along and said, I'm not going to touch your guns and I'm not apologizing. We're not, we didn't do anything wrong. Yes. We have some dark, you know, uh, events in our past, but it's not as dark as your past. And we did a lot more to fix it than you ever did. Rest of the world should hold mm -hmm. countries. Yeah. So he thrived. And then, you know, 2015 now, 2016, actually 2016 things are still fun around 2017. The left became a psychotic ex-girlfriend. Yeah, for real. Yeah. And they were in the bushes in front of your house. They were tormenting your ex-boyfriends, calling your mom. Calling employers. and Posting that they had committed suicide, that they were pregnant. I mean, showing you pictures of the ultrasound, even though that was someone else's ultrasound. They got on Google Images. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing, killing your dog. Throwing shit through your front window. Like, they fucking lost it. Mm -hmm. And that's the America we're in now. And I think what happened, too, is... Like with a crazy ex-girlfriend, you're just like, I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. And now America is divorced. Yeah. yeah. And there's no more. Like I spent, I spent a hundred grand at censored.tv getting like Cornell West together with Candace Owens. These people were charging me five to 20 grand per meeting just to talk to one another. And I was trying to get back to the Gore Vidal, William F. Buckley kind of thing. And it just, it didn't work. The America, it was like getting divorced parents back together. They, yeah. They're not interested. And I so, mean, are you interested in reuniting with these people? I have nothing in common with these people. I don't want to share a country with them. I can't share a country with them. I know what you mean. And, and they don't know anything. Like they talk about, you know, how many people died in Vietnam? When was World War One? How many illegals are in the country? What's the population of America? Yeah. Uh, what are capital gains? What are tariffs? How much do we owe China? You're trying to get in. The, the thing that frustrates me too is politics is really just like baseball. Mm -hmm. I mean, stats and how you interpret the, the stats. And they don't know the stats. They're just critical theory says there's no truth. And you're like, okay, well, I think DeGrom's a good pitcher based on his record. And they have some Guillermo guy that they say is the best in it. In, you know, in, in baseball, the, the numbers just say otherwise, and that's the end of the debate. In modern politics, you can be totally wrong, and you're just, it's just open to interpretation. You know? That's true. Well, yeah, the introduction of all of the facts is not going to, to rectify the situation. These people are, are intellectually and emotionally damaged, and I, I can't be near them or they're going to destroy my life. They've already tried. So what do we, what do we do now? Like, what are we I, I think it also before we get to what do we do now, but like a great way to save yourself time is just a few basic questions. Like what percentage of the population are blacks? Um, what is the population of America? Yeah. Just real basic. What's the population of Britain, Canada, just basic things like that. And I, I was arguing with this lesbian once and I said, <laughs> how many illegals are in America? And she goes, I don't know. That's not what I'm talking about. We're a nation of immigrants and all that. And I said, okay, I need to know a number before we continue with this conversation. He goes, I guess like what, 80 billion? Are you serious? Yeah, 80 billion. It, like over 10 times the world population. Is in America and is Mexican. And I'm like, I, my dad's a mathematician. I said, can you work out dad, if we froze all the water 
and people could live on mountains, how many people could we fit (laughs) shoulder to shoulder in America? And it is about 80 billion. Oh my gosh. So it is possible. There's going to be a lot of feces and starvation, but we could moron an hour fit 80 billion. So at that point you're like, why are we arguing about this? Like to go back to the sports analogy, if, if you don't know like what first base is or what home plate is, why are we talking about baseball? And I kind of resent that you want to talk about a sport that you don't know. Right. You're wasting my fucking time. But anyway, the, the where do we go from here? I don't know. I think we just sort of separate and strengthen our individual relationships. I mean, segregation is back and I'm not talking about white and black. I'm talking about, left, right, upper class, blue collar. I mean, the whole notion of melting pots in New York is over now. Mm. We're, we're separating by race, by uh, uh, class, by political beliefs. We have, I, I hate when we people just break it into black versus white because there's so much more nuance there. Mm. Like people in West Virginia are all white. Uh, the political class in DC is all white. They hate each other's guts and will never speak again. No one from DC is going to West Virginia ever. They're not, <laughs> not really. <related>. Yeah. <laughs> Those are separate universes. And no one from Manhattan is going to Breezy Point mm. uh, in in uh, Brooklyn. I mean, these, these places are permanently separated. And the irony is, too, that, you know, the white liberals are the king of segregation. Yeah. Like, yeah. they their schools, they, they love, hate is no home here, signs, but their schools are 100% white. And if any blacks try to rezone and end up in their school, they'll, there will be hell to pay. They like them in theory, but not in practice. And then you go to like a blue collar boxing gym in a shitty part of town and it's blacks, whites, everyone's talking. So the, the irony is, and they say this with the North and the South, I think liberals like blacks in theory, but not in practice and blue collar New Yorkers and Southerners alike like them in practice, but not in theory. Right. Yeah. But the only segregation they aren't going to allow is uh, conservatives and and liberals. I mean, my town is getting flooded with these retard Californians that are like, oh, I don't know why California is so fucked up. Let me bring all these policies to North Idaho and see if the same thing happens, which it's totally going to. So we're not we're not going to be left alone. They're not just going to leave us to our own devices. Um, Also, I'm getting taxed out the ass and all of my money is going to stupid social programs. So so what am I supposed to do as a citizen of this country? Is, Is America finished? Can I can I feasibly balkanize without removing myself from the federal government? I mean, no. So what? So what do we do? I mean, I know I'm asking the same question, but like all the interviews no, I've had, it's, it's like it's it, this is so too, frustrating. It's also why it's been so hard to move. Like I was talking to this real estate agent in North Carolina who specializes in New York expats. And <laughs> they, they have these little enclaves like Jupiter, Florida has a lot of ex-New Yorkers. Yeah. And they have these little enclaves of ex-New Yorkers who are leaving for the same reason I am. And uh she goes, they even have cops there with New York accents, by the way. But anyway, Weird. she goes, we have to be very careful because they're obviously wary of not you, Gavin McInnes, but New Yorkers yeah. going down. Like I was in Montana uh, recently and I, I was buying these souvenirs and I, I go, God damn it. I love it here. I've never been here before. And she goes, thanks a lot. Don't tell your friends. Yeah. And there was shirts that said, don't California, my Montana. Yeah. Yeah. People out here too. Yeah. So. I mean, the divorce is in full swing. I For mean, sure. All, all that don't California my Montana, that's the custody battle. Like that's 
that's arguing over the kids now. We're 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 making the separation. Yeah, but nobody's willing to drive these people out of town with like a pitchfork mob, which is what's going to be necessary to retain the integrity of these places. In the park across from my street, there was just a National Guard vaccination event at a pride event in the park, in the fucking park, like right across from my street. I was looking out my window like, what is happening? And everybody's all pissed off. But I'm like, yeah, well, let, let's drive these people out of town. Like, we've got to do something here or I'm going to have to move inland. And I hate the weather. Well, this is the left is doing it. I mean, they're driving me out of town. They're putting yeah. something in my lawn, vandalizing my home and my car. And yeah, stuff. I got driven out of Seattle too. So it's like, well, why shouldn't we be doing the same stuff? Oh, we, we, we will. We will. I mean, mm. this is only just. This is really new. Like critical race theory was was esoteric four years ago. Yeah. And now it's the number one topic on everyone's lips. Yeah. Uh, it was it's been, it's been around since eighteen hundreds. Critical theory, anyway critical race theory probably since the 1940s, but um, it's sort of come to fruition very recently. So it's going to take a while, but like right now, you know, the right is organizing and they don't like the left anymore. And it, it hurts me to see families split apart, you know, because it's never like a right winger saying, fuck my sister. I hate her guts. She likes, you know, AOC. Yeah. Always the left saying, I'm never speaking to my brother ever again, or my yeah. dad, or my mom. And it, it's just like the left has, has injected this poison into their cult followers, just like Scientology, where you have to hate everyone who's not part of the cult. And the rest of us aren't like that. Like Christians don't care if you're Muslim or Jewish. They don't they don't get involved. But the other cults, they Scientology, you better be them. You're either 100% with them or 100% against them. It's their fault for their brains being so malleable, though. I just don't have any pity for these people. I'm Christian, too, but like I, I cannot find it in my heart to not be filled with spite and vengeance for these people because of what they've done to me personally. And so uh, whatever I can do to punish them, uh, I'm great, fine. Like I will spend the rest of my days trying to destroy the left because I hate their guts. Um, I can't coexist with these people. Like I, I really can't. I, I'm at my wit's end here. They hate the family. They hate they, the, the other problem with them is they're cannibals. I mean, it's yeah. not like they create this utopia. Like, say we were at war with the Amish, <laughs> and you'd go, "Fuck the Amish! Those bastards! They don't use machines." And then you go to an Amish community and you go, "Wow, you guys are doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty content and fulfilled. Maybe I am a bad guy." But when you look at the radical left, I mean, these women are colostomy bags for some strangers come at four in the morning they don't have any kind of uh, a future they're miserable they're suicidal they're on medication they're fur babies i mean fur mommies and even fur daddies that the, the men are playing video games jerking off to animation and porn uh and and attacking each other too and blacks like with the critical race theory i was pretending to be woke today on my show to see how long i could go and I realized with I was attacking black women who think that critical race theory is racist. Hmm. Uh, uh oh, I've got a call here. This might be important. Hello, I'm doing a podcast. What's up? <laughs> hey, live chat. Thanks for joining us. A thousand people. You said you had a key. Is this happening right now? Well, look around. It's got to be somewhere. Did you check the desk drawers? Do you have any questions, live chat? I'm not prepared for this situation. 
No, that's not acceptable. I also gave you Frank's number to ask you to lock up. You, did you forget that? Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> hey, sometimes even people on the right are retarded too. We do. We do have our own our own set of retards. That's true. Um, do you have any strategies for people that are dealing with this, dealing with being canceled, dealing with being ostracized from their community, especially people that have lost family and relationships to this COVID stuff? I don't know what it is about COVID, but people on the left just they just wanted to eat this up so much. Everybody wanted to be afraid and they wanted to hide and they wanted to get their vaccine and wear their masks like from from day one. Uh, and it is just ripped families apart. Um, what do you do if you're if you're the one left in your family? I think you really got to try to maintain a sense of humor. Uh, you have to keep it light. Things are going to come around eventually with your family members if they're worth their salt. And so you, the last thing you want to do is say things you regret. I, I really encourage people to, you know, like say you and your sister were in, we got a letter recently where these, this guy and his sister were inseparable. They were best friends. And then um, uh, Trump happened, COVID happened, and now they don't speak. And he goes, we're only like 16 months apart. So we used to not just joke around, but we'd have these really deep conversations. And I said to him, you got to say goodbye to the deep conversations and yep. keep it light, keep it SpongeBob, keep it silly and try to maintain it. Because I, I find that in this divorce culture where 50% of marriages fall apart, we're too, not eager, but, but too... We're, we're, it, we're just so willing to let these relationships fall apart and your marriage and your family are more important than anything. So just try to, you know, and let them go through this Trump derangement syndrome and, and be there for them when they finally come around. Other Will times, they come around though? It I don't seems know. like they want to die on this hill. I mean, I'm watching people's, people's parents die in nursing homes and stuff alone because they won't let their, their, unvaccinated children see them or dying alone in their own homes and stuff like that because of that. It's like, you know, this has gotten even old people that have lived through way worse and that they're dying alone. They're choosing to die alone instead of be with their family. You can't reason with these people. They're, they're going to, they're going to take this to the end. My wife lost her best friend. They were little kids together. They were each other's bridesmaids. My wife was there for her, the death of both her parents. And then she said, and my wife's a liberal. And she said, I need a break from our friendship for a while. They'll never speak again. There's no fixing that. That's gone forever. And I think that's unfortunate, but there was other stuff going on, you know, if, if you could throw away a friendship like that. But th that's the insane times we're living in. I guess my big advice would be if you haven't done anything wrong, you haven't done anything wrong. You know, if there's a massive brainwashing going on, and uh, you are the victim of it because your friends think you're not a member of Scientology. You, you got to let it go. You can't beat yourself up. If you did something wrong and you were, you know, trying to get blacks to go back to Africa, well, then, yeah, what did you think was going to happen, you fucking moron? But that's never the case. The case and if you have done something wrong, people should apologize, but don't grovel. Because they're never going to accept your apology anyway, so it's just going to make it doesn't you work. You're giving you're giving blood to a vampire. They don't appreciate it. Yeah, definitely not. It's a waste of time. But you're right. It's a really difficult thing to work out. It's caused my family, uh, you know, a lot of stress. We're we're living in an an epoch where the media is just straight up lying. It, mm. It's run by these hurt nerds. It's revenge of the hurt is the media now. 
you look at like Jared Holt and and uh, Andy Campbell and Christopher Matthias and uh, what's that guy's name? Um, Zachary something and and Will Summer and all of these guys like they're not journalists; they're tattletales. They don't. Oh, really I know. Care about hate. They just care about. I don't know, snitching on people that they think may have sinned. And did Jared Holt get fired? What's the deal with him? Yeah, yeah, he did. He's a fucking sad loser. I know. know. Who's out for revenge? And you know it when you meet these people. Like I've confronted Will and I've confronted Jared. Oh yeah, I watched that video like ten times. It was the funniest thing. They just wilt. Yeah. Because it's all about being the keyboard warriors. Yeah, and he was the original scarf wearing faggot, like Jared Holt. Ugh. (laughs) You can just tell he's got weak arms and he's just Is in he his gay? bedroom. He's got to be, right? I don't know. I mean, you want to tell me that guy's straight? That's somehow more distressing to me than finding out that he's gay. Yeah. Ugh. Well, gays now are so like faggot used to be an insult. Now gays are building chicken coops, yeah. renovating homes, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, replacing their, their transmissions. I mean, it's not an insult anymore. The modern American male is way gayer than gays. So do you think that having a wife and kids has been your greatest stand to date in your life against, against the culture? Of course. Yeah. That's all that really matters. And I, the same goes with you. I mean, you, you, you can start a very successful media company or you can start a, Western chauvinist uh, men's club that the presidents are talking about, but that's all dust in the wind. Children have lives, then they have kids. And then those kids have kids like that's an impact. I was trying to explain this to my kids on, on mother's day. I was like, all my dumb little things. My dad helped stop the nuclear submarine program. My, my father-in-law's, uh, you know, helped create a, a cure for cancer, almost a uh, major fighter in the war against cancer. That's nothing compared to having kids and then those kids having kids. That's the real impact in the world. And I will say, too, having kids kind of prevents you from turning into the Punisher. If <laughs> yeah, I that's have a wife and kids, I would be living alone in a studio in New York, waking up at 8, p- 8 p.m., just doing sit-ups every morning, crunches, pull-ups, then eating like Soylent Green, and then just going out with my sniper rifle and just killing all of these motherfuckers that are destroying America. Yeah, I mean, w- what would you have to live for? And I fear that that we have a large population of people like that that are like, all right, um, my the last thing I do in this world is going to be to take out a bunch of these sons of bitches. And I think they really are ra- truly radicalizing a generation in the way that they say we are, which is retarded. But um, the, that's what the media is doing. They're creating hate. They're a hate group. SPLC, ADL, they're hate groups. And... You know, I was I was thinking about this the other day. Like, Milo Yiannopoulos is now with True News. I don't know True News, but for the sake of argument, it's known on Wikipedia as like a big anti-Semitic Nazi kind of a thing, right? I'm not saying that's true. I don't think it is. It never is when they say that, but whatever. Let's just pretend it is. Um, and there's so many people I know who were slightly edgy or funny or risque. They made Trump seem appealing, which he is. And then they got ostracized by this mob, this anti-hate woke mob, and they get driven to the outskirts until the Nazis are the only ones that will speak to them. <laughs> and so they go, all right, let's try this. Yeah. There was this Proud Boy Sal Sapola 
And he got pushed out and out and out until the, the Nazis were like, come hang out with us. And he was like, okay, no one else is calling me back. So they created a, a Nazi there. He's not a Nazi, but that, that's what people who's hang out with. Or I think that kind of happened with Baked Alaska. According to the left's view of true news, that you could argue that happened with Milo Yiannopoulos. Remember there was this guy, Pax Dickinson, and he made a joke. There was Mel Gibson was caught on tape um, a long time ago saying that uh, his wife, he was breaking up with his wife, and he's like, you look like a slut. You're going to get raped by a pack of ends. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then Pax Dickinson used it like a couple years later in a joke, like the way she dresses, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets raped by a pack of ends. Now, people didn't know the original Mel Gibson quote that he was yeah. referencing, and this guy wasn't particularly political, but they pushed him out. They got him fired. He was raising ostriches in the middle of nowhere. And the next thing you know, like he's looking into, you know, the alt-right because no one else is talking to him. And you keep telling someone they're gay. After a while, they're going to try to suck a dick. <laughs> so, Well, the alt-right isn't even real. I mean, was it ever real? It's oh, preposterous it was- to call somebody like you alt-right at any point in time. This is insane. Well, it was kind of normal before before Richard Spencer said Heil Trump, Hail Trump, sorry, Hail Trump. Um, it just meant like I'm into conservative politics, but I'm still kind of grunge alternative. So that's mm-hmm. when you had like Jack Posobiec and Ezra Levant and me and Lauren Southern and all these normal people, Tila Tequila even, saying, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. And then he threw it off a cliff, I think on purpose in a way of like an indie band not wanting to sign to a major. And after that, it became Jews will not replace us. But even then, you know, Charlottesville was like a couple hundred people. And it's still dominating the news. White supremacy, like the January 6th meandering, is dominating the news. Like there's Nazis on every corner. And I'm I'm from the 80s. I remember when you'd see Nazi skinheads like with swastikas on their clothes. It was a thing. But it's not a thing now, so shut it's, the fuck up, please. It's not a thing. I mean, but there is this desire for people to that were former constitutional conservatives to divorce themselves um, from conservatism as a whole. I'm very sympathetic to this because I see America falling apart, and I'm like, uh, all right, I'm out of here. Saving myself. Saving myself, yeah. saving my family. I don't care about what's going to happen to this country anymore. Um, so well, what do we do? Twisted. Like I, 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 When I was in Israel, I, I was at the uh, Holocaust Museum. And the, the guy who's talking, there's a big pile of shoes of, of kids who were killed there and all the, the tomes and tomes of names of everyone who died. And uh, my guide said, and you look at this and this is, they say that this never happened. And the guy had been annoying me the whole time. So he was so annoying that I caught myself thinking, well, they don't say it never happened. They say that uh, they were starved to death and uh, I don't agree with them, but they say the number was much smaller and they died of starvation and they were gassed. The reason I said that was sort of like, say there was a guy who was like for child rights and he was he was really irritating and he said, you know, a lot of these child molesters are still getting away with it. And you would catch yourself saying, well, they don't actually molest children. Those are, you're talking about pedophiles. Child molesters molest children. Pedophiles, they only want to molest children. So my joke Ooh. is, this guy's so annoying that he's making me defend the indefensible or at least the people involved and find the nuance in their argument. But now, like to this day, Wikipedia Forever, I'll be the no- known as the guy who defended Holocaust deniers, which is like a To Kill a Mockingbird trial 
where you're the lawyer saying, Your Honor, they have some great points if you would just listen to what the heck is that? <laughs> so I understand the the right overdoing it and saying, no, 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 I have nothing to do with this, blah, blah, blah. But it's a, it's, it's a, a loser's battle. Well, yeah, because we should never be defending ourselves. Uh, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. You want to call me a Holocaust denier, racial? I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Think whatever you want about me. You're going to anyway. I don't care. Steve Bring Bannon it. said you should accept being called a racist as a badge of pride. And yeah. even that is being used against Trump where they go, uh, oh, Trump's main guy says that it's cool to be racist. No, he was saying the allegation is so tiring and stupid that you just sort of go, yeah, yeah, you got me, whatever. Well, also, I reject this premise that racism is is the most insidious emotion or feeling on, on the planet. Like there are there are things that are worse than racism. Like when do, when as a society were we like this is the worst thing? The worst thing, really, is it the worst well, thing. If you were to start prosecuting it, you're going to see blacks going to jail disproportionately. Asians, I mean, white males will probably be the last people to be marched to the. Oh my God! Have you ever talked to a Japanese person about the Chinese? Oh my God! God. Talk to talk to black people about what what they think of like you, (laughs) nicest white (laughs) person in the world, not cops or Trump, but like a nice, pretty blonde girl, the white cave bitch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. White like, cave bitch. Yeah, I used to get that all the time. I don't know. It's kind of a bad moment. There. And yeah. I don't really have a problem with it. I'm not scared of ideas. If someone has an opinion that I think is abhorrent, I just roll my eyes. But we're living in an, e- an era where you're you're scared of ideas. Those are the scariest things in the world. What a pussy. Yeah. But the scarier thing for me is the realization that the ideas and the truth are not going to free me from the situation that we're in. Because it has no bearing on on these people's perception of the world and their relationships with other people. So I have no defense here because I'm not going to convince anybody that I'm right about this. And so all I can do is extricate myself from the situation. And that's frightening because these people are going to keep coming after me for the rest of my life. Um, And so, yeah. Yeah. That's what scares me is, you know, my my littlest boy told me he hates Trump when he was in pre-K. What? And I'm like, where did you get that from? So they're starting at the age of four with our kids and pushing this myth that America was stolen from the Indians and then built on slavery. And it's still systemic racism. We're still racist today. And that's why you see Antifa proudly burning down police stations because they're reacting to what they've been taught their entire lives, not their adult lives. So I think the focus for anyone who's into sort of saving America should be K through 12, that really, colleges are a lost cause, but K through 12, these, these cartoons, the trans bullshit at Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network, I mean, it sounds trite, but that's really where the eye of the storm is. It's, it's you know, that's what marketing companies do. That's why it's illegal to, to have flavored cigars that taste like candy. That's why Joe Camel got in so much shit for looking like a cartoon. Yeah. Why McDonald's pushes the Happy Meals. They're they're really pushing it hard on our kids. And what do we do? I guess we homeschool, but we have to constantly be reminding them. I think the best thing to do is to be in your kid's life as much as possible. Hug your kids as much as you can. And then when you you take them aside and you go, look, the Tulsa, Oklahoma thing was not a massacre. It was a race riot that was started in a very segregated area. 
and the, the black owned businesses started burning, but the fire department couldn't go there because there were snipers shooting from the buildings. Yeah. And it was not a wall street. It was a hundred businesses together, just like the town we're in now has a local business network. So you're being lied to, mm-hmm. or you show them like, you know, a list of all the unarmed blacks who have been killed and, and what the circumstances were. Tucker Carlson has a great video where he, he goes down, I think it was 2019, 2018. He's like, here's who was killed. Here's who was unarmed. Here's the circumstances. And inevitably, you go from like 30 to 12 unarmed to six not chasing the cops to four uh, were ment- you know, mentally ill, acting psychotic. And then the two that look really bad. This is out of, by the way, of maybe three million interactions with civilians every year. Yeah. The two who were really bad, the cops are on trial right now and are, are going to jail. Yeah. So you have to keep doing that with them. And if you're affectionate and you love them and you're always around, then they listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or uh, they rebel. And I think that's probably what we're seeing with Gen Z, which I'm very hopeful about what I've been seeing come out of Gen Z. I've seen some statistics that are a little discouraging, but as a generation, they're more rebellious than millennials. And they seem to be rejecting a lot of this tranny nonsense um, and some of the other mainstream messaging, which I find encouraging. Do you have a lot of hope for them? And do they make up um, a good portion of your audience over at censor.tv? Yeah, a lot. I'm surprised when we do call-in shows on Thursday nights, it's like half women. Yeah. Also, another huge percentage is, is Gen Z. I read recently, I think it was millennials, actually, who are 25% of 18 to 25s would call themselves conservative. And they're saying it's going to be even more with Gen Z. The problem with all this censorship and being woke is you made people like you and me cool. Like Nike says Black Lives Matter. Rage Against the Machine say Black Lives Matter. Best Buy say LGBT, trans. So it's become mainstream. Hold on. Take this. Hello? Hey. Live chat. You guys are pretty awful. Saying a I lot of stuff. Call you. He didn't call you? So <laughs> the, the rest of these questions okay. are about Gen just, Z. Could you lock it and, up anyway? Uh, dating. You guys wanted some questions about dating. I, I have that. And then we're going to round out. Okay, great. Thanks very much. About an hour. And then, um, then we'll get gone. We're building a new studio, so uh, I'm trying to figure out the locks and make sure everything is safe. Was that Ryan? You're so mean to him. Well, that was a, a local electrician who has the keys. But oh. yes, I am mean to Ryan, but he's one of these fatherless millennials who desperately needs discipline. I mean, these kids will just like go to bed. They'll get up. They'll start their day. And then at 10 a.m., they'll go back to bed. Yeah, that sounds like, awesome. They have no no structure in their lives. I can hear the hurt in his voice sometimes. It's palpable. Good. Get hurt. <laughs> Feel the pain. <laughs> uh, so I have heard your call and show a few times, and you have a lot of young men in your audience trying to navigate um, the dating life. I've, I've heard you give some really good advice to them. Um, what do you think is the best way for young men right now to meet women, even in coronavirus and such? Stop jerking off. Yeah. Stop watching porn. You're creating a cyber life. It's like the Sims shit where you go and you bone these, by the way, those aren't nice girls. Those are meth heads who got raped by their dad. So you're having a cyber second life 
with meth heads who are victims of sexual assault. Yeah. That's pathetic and disgusting. And once you cut off that spigot, you will need to get your water from somewhere else and you'll find yourself just going out there. And, you know, I understand men have to sow their wild oats and stuff, but, you know, you got drunk when you were 14. It's been 10 years. Put a ring on it, dude. Like, how yeah. long, for how long do you have to party your ass off before you get the concept? Yeah. So, and I had a caller um, say something the other day that's been haunting me. <laughs> it was really, I don't know, intense. He said, his brother is fucking everything that moves and getting blown in an alleyway by some chick and then banging another one. And, you know, I fucked three girls tonight. And his brother, who's married with a kid, goes, you're a fag. And he goes, huh. what are you talking about? I'm getting laid like I'm in Motley Crue. And he goes, yeah, that's a gay lifestyle. Huh. Endless partners, not knowing who you're with. Like, that's what gays do. So you're living the life of a gay. And I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's, it's not natural. Yeah, yeah. Be romantic, like love her. And eventually you'll find the one. And my big advice to women too is like, if he can't make up his mind in nine months, he can't make up his mind in nine years. Oh my gosh. I have been saying that to people forever. If, if by one year uh, you guys don't have a plan, don't even bother giving an ultimatum to him. He's not going to marry you. Just, just get out of there. Date somebody else. You're free. One year on the day, if you guys don't have a plan. It's there has to be stigma against wasting a woman's best years. Because I can't yes. tell you, especially in New York, they date someone at like 27. Then they buy her a dog so she'll stop having maternal instincts. Then they dump her at 32. And, there's and no then she's stigma. screwed. Yeah. That's like stabbing someone. Yeah. Like cutting true. off a person's tit. Yeah. Like there should be some some stigma there. That's a whole, Back in the 50s, I was like, you took away her best years, you pig. <laughs> it would be a big deal. And now it's nothing. And it it should be. These women at 25, they have to dump any photographers, comedians, musicians, artists in their life. Those guys are not reliable. And look for someone who's not going to cheat on you. Yeah, but they should be doing that when they're 18. Okay, I'll take 18. I mean, yeah. I'm in New York. 35 is young to settle down. How old were you? I was too old. So I the first time that we, I'm 33 now, the first time that we talked I had been dating my husband for like three weeks and I was 27, I want to say. Oh my God. Has it been that long? Yeah, I think it has. Jeez. 28. And then you were like, uh, you were telling me some story about some 25 year old that you know, who's like, I'm too young to be getting married. And you were like, uh, no, you're not. And then you asked me how old I was. And I said, like, I'm 27 or 28. And he goes, that's not very young. Or you go, you go, that's not very young. And I was like, well, uh, I'm going to have to really pay attention to my husband's behavior. Um, He's a military guy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are reliable. Although there's a lot of divorce there. There is a lot of divorce. And then um, when we were dating, we had to deal with a year-long deployment, Ooh. which was rough. Yeah. Like really rough. Yeah. But having that little cherub in your arms, that silly little guy with this it's little a girl. It's a, it's a little oh, it's girl. It's a girl smiling at the top of her hair and her breath. I mean, people like Bill Schultz, I'm, I'll never speak to him again because he said, oh, the reason you want your friends to get married is you're jealous because you're not getting any pussy anymore. And I'm like, dude, Ugh. Ugh, I, I did very well. Can I you imagine like going out and meeting chicks and dating right now? I think about it and I get exhausted. I'm like, I'm not, I, I can't even imagine what people are dealing with right now. I was, I couldn't think of anything worse. I, I was flirting with a girl just for fun on Saturday night. And she was telling me that she has this weird thing with demons where they stick to her 
more than anyone else. And I was just like, thank God. I'm oh, yeah. trying to meet you because I would kill both of us right now. Seriously, who molested you when you were a kid? Demons. Yeah, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> hell? You mean ghosts? What are you talking about, you stupid bitch? Oh, yeah. And then but, my friends that are dating that are in their late 30s, like the men, you know, they, they're all good quality people. Like it's all single moms, divorcees in their mid 30s, drug addicts, like the tattoo situation. It's. It's a fucking nightmare. It's like, what do you even do if you're a dude? Like young dudes, I, I, keep, I can see. I keep pushing this too. Is like everyone who is like you, who finally has that cute little girl, they always say the same thing. They go, what the hell was I waiting so long for? What am I doing? Yeah. And then they're mad when they can only squeeze out like another one or two. Like my wife and I wish we had five. We're so yeah. upset we only had three because we waited too long. I met her at 29. Yeah. I could have had We've got a 20 year old walking around right now and uh you know a bunch that, that was helping me with my three-year-old i don't know but we we wait long too long because we believe a bunch of bullshit about i don't know my career or with in the case of liberals the environment and overpopulation and all this crap and i just i'm almost like a uh uh what do you call those people that go overseas the religious people i uh you know, when you go to Japan and you try to make them Christian, they... Yeah, now you're making me... Put me on the spot. You know I know, talking about, like but, a pilgrimage to other countries. Help me out, Life Chat. Yeah, yeah. One of those kind of guys. But I wanna, I'm want i one of those, but it's to have... Missionary. Missionary, that's it. <laughs> I'm a have babies missionary because I waited too long and I don't want other people to make the same mistake. They're, they're amazing little gifts and they keep getting better too. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had a baby and I, like I thought my job in New York was so important and blah, fucking blah. Although I was crashing and burning in New York. And then I thought my YouTube channel was so important. I had my baby and I'm like, wow, nothing I've ever done has mattered at all. It hasn't mattered at all. None of this shit matters. Um, but, you know, I didn't I didn't wait. I wasn't like I'm waiting until I'm, I'm you know, 30 to have it. I, I didn't I didn't wait. But I was dating the wrong kind of guy. Exactly. And it wasn't the kind of guy. That's yeah. the same as waiting. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't making a conscious choice. And I wasn't dating this like rock and roll guy or like guys that excited me. I was consistently dating emotionally abusive beta males, yeah. yet could not figure out what my dating pattern was until I talked to you and started my YouTube channel. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I think Kat Timp was in that same rut. I don't know where she is now. We sort of fell out of touch. But she was dating these exact same guys. These like open mic comedians who have a Michael Sarah kind of vibe. Yeah. But happy to cheat on you, stab you in the back, rape you when you're asleep, like just evil nerds out for revenge. Just like those journalists we were talking about, those tattletale journalists. It's we're really living in the era of revenge of the hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. I hope Kat Tim, she must be my age. She, she better get on it. Well, the problem with Fox News too is it's such a big sort of media machine that you sort of, you get crunched into it and then you poke your head out and 15 years have gone by. Yeah, yeah. Who is that um, hot chick who has like mouse-like features and a giant white, giant white teeth? Lisa um, Booth? Lisa Booth. You know, she's like 45 and she has no kids. That would frustrate me when I was on the show, on the various shows there is they're all talking about kids and parenting and how the parents have to be better. And I'm like, none of you are parents. Dana Perino doesn't even have kids, does she? No, she has her stupid dog, the America's dog she won't shut up about. Yeah, and then Laura Ingram has, like, adopted Nicaraguan kids or some shit. It's like, what am I? 
I, I can't listen to any of you people about conservative values. Like yeah. you're infertile or something. And it, this has been a struggle in your life. Like, all right, all right fine. Let, let's talk. But like you made a career choice to oil up your legs and, and tell me about politics and you let your eggs go bad. Like go fuck yourself. I can't listen to anything. No, to be successful in, in that kind of media world at Fox news, you have to be a workaholic and workaholics don't have time for kids. And so they put careers over it and I go, you know, you're trying to save America and you could have done it a lot easier just by squeezing out a few cuties. You're good. Oh, Cat Temp just got married, they're telling me. That's great. Oh, good. That's uh that is great news. Lisa Booth left Fox to co-host the view. Ugh. Maybe it's good she didn't procreate then. <laughs> well, on that note, Gavin, it's been real. It's I'm been glad that we have had some time to catch up because you really did influence my life for the better. And you were one of the first people when I, I don't know if my audience know this, but when I started my YouTube channel, um, I had one video and had no views. And I was like, I loved, I've loved watching your content. And so I sent it to you just thinking that like, you know, nothing was going to happen. And then that day you wrote me back and invited me on your show. So you launched my whole, my whole YouTube channel, everything. Oh, that's and great. Yeah, and I really appreciate it. And I always think about that, like how different my life would be without Gavin McInnes. Maybe I wouldn't be married and have a baby too. So yeah, that's busy. I'm so glad you had a baby. Your 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 baby's adorable. I'm really happy for you. She's the best, and I'm happy for you too. And I hope that you can find a community that accepts you for who you are and is truly inclusive. On that note, I'll drop all of Gavin's links. Um, I I have the censor.tv link um, in the is. description right now. Oh, okay, because we're banned from all the stuff. And yep. thank you, live chat, for hanging out. We really appreciate it. And I will see you later. Bye-bye.